When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Welcome to Trot's Life. It is your Wednesday edition. It's a super show that we have got planned It's been a pleasure to go back in time. We've had Brian Gath come on. We talked about the 1978 Inter-Dominion. We had uh, Pro Chevalier's Inter-Dominion of 1985 where we spent the whole two hours basically looking into the show, into that Inter-Dominion. Last week, we went back to the year 2000. John Justice and Tim Butt joined us. We talked about Lyle Creek and Shaker Maker couple of absolute legends of the sport. This week we go back to 1992. Vic Frost won the Inter-Dominion with Westburn Grant. He was an out-and-out champion, Westburn Grant. We probably forget sometimes how great some of these horses were. And Vic's going to join us in the second hour. And, look, it's no secret. It was I pre-recorded this. Tuesday, yesterday, as you hear it, and it is one of the great interviews I've done. It's It'll go in three parts. If you do nothing else today, just make sure you catch that hour from 12 o'clock. But having said that, John Langdon will join us. John Langdon's won three into Dominions. He won in 92 with a trotter named William D. He drove the both winners in 1975, a feat that has not been done since and never done prior. Westburn Grant raced 67 times for 38 wins and two, nearly $2.1 million in prize money. Well, here he won a $100,000 bonus. So if you chuck that in, $2.17 million. He's the 20th richest Australia, Australasian pacer of all time still. When he finished his career, only the great Village Kid had, had amassed more prize money, and Village Kid had done it in 100 more starts. I use this analogy a few times. Lockenvar Art won 1.4 million in the modern day. The great Westburn Grant won 2.1 million in just 67 starts. He won two Miracle Miles, the the principal racing event in New South Wales. He won the Inter-Dominion in Victoria and the Victorian Derby. He won a South Australian Cup. He won the Australian Pacing Championship in Tasmania. He won two WA Cups, or what was uh, was called something different back then. Tobacco marketing was allowed. And he went to New Zealand and won the three-year-old Triple Crown. He went to a Queensland into Dominion and couldn't quite pull it off there in the absolute twilight of his career. He was some sort of a champion, Westburn Grand. He was undefeated in just a couple of runs as a two-year-old. He won that Victorian derby, he won the New South Wales derby, and he won the New Zealand derby. We talk about horses like Leap to Fame has won three derbies on the East Coast. Here's a horse, he won the Vic New South Wales. He 
went to New Zealand and won the New Zealand Derby. And Tobias Wraith, who's probably going to be listening to this show, I have no doubt he will be actually, uh, who Vic Frost had a lot to do with. Uh, and he's had a lot to do with Leap to Fame. And I think Tobias will be thinking about that. Victoria, New South Wales Derby and New Zealand Derby. What Westburn Grant did as a three-year-old is pretty amazing. But that's not the horse we remember, is it really? We don't remember him as a brilliant three-year-old, or I didn't anyway. was those heroics as an open-age horse. Back-to-back Miracle Miles. He won the Miracle Mile when he was a four-year-old. So in modern day, that was... The, uh, it was a November Miracle Mile in that time. So in the modern day, he would have been a three-year-old as the way we look at it now. So that is like Leap to Fame or Captain Ravishing going in a Miracle Mile next week and winning it against seasoned open-class paces. The best six horses in Australasia went in that race. He took on the five best and he beat him as a four-year-old. He came back the next year and won it as a five-year-old. I don't go into it with Vic. He had a a bit of a love-hate relationship, I think, with the Miracle Mile. He won those two, of course. Shandon, who was became one of my he was one of my favourite horses. He only he didn't race much either. He was going to win a Miracle Mile, I reckon, for Vic, but he was scratched in dramatic fashion just days before when he was an odds-on favourite to win the race. And of course, Glenn's Thunder also ran in a Miracle Mile, which was bred and owned by Vic and obviously named after his son, Glenn, too. So we will take down the journey of the great, greatest of great, Westburn Grant. He was some sort of a champion. And that 1992 into Dominion, where he didn't win a heat, and he went into the final relatively long odds. I think he was 8-1, to one, somewhere about there. He drew gate 6. He burned across the front. He got to the lead. And from there, they were never going to beat him. And we'll hear a lot about uh, Venus Bay, where he was trained at the time. And Vic tells one of the most unique, ingenious stories I've heard in a long time about how he knew. I said, when you go and work a horse on the on a on a trotting track, right? It's a thousand meter trotting track, and you want to run two and a half, two thousand five hundred meters. Well, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to work out that's two and a half laps of a thousand meter track. If you want to run your horse over 2,000 metres on a beach in 1992, how would you know that it was 2,000 metres? What Vic did to work that out is almost worth this two hours of show. It is unbelievable. And I think you'll get a sense of of the man... Uh, and his life as a youngster, which we touch on as well, you'll get a sense of it, the understanding of it, uh, the DAPDO ingenuity, I think I call it, as to how he worked out what distance he was working that horse. You know, trainers are so precise in what they do. And Clayton and Emma Tonkin, if you, if you just sat Clayton down and said, here's a beach, Clayton, here is a beach. You have a horse in an inter-dominion, and now work your horse on the beach. Now, I would imagine he's so meticulous with the amount of distance they run and the times that they do, uh, he'd be scratching his head saying, you've taken all that data away, all that, uh, how am I going to work this out? Well, Vic does it. uh, I I, I rave about it in in an amazing way. Uh, And I talked about 
this a few times with a few people over the last few days. You know, I was an 11-year-old boy. I was there at the time. Barrel boy. Yes, Cody, I've given him his mention. He'll get another mention. Don't worry. Barrel boy was in that series. He didn't make the final. Uh, he he ran some fourths and fifths in the heats and the sixth or something. So he didn't quite make the final. But I was there. I was on the night and to witness the race. And he, he won really relatively easy. He made it just look, look like showing peas in a way. He just rolled to the front. Uh, Franco Tiger ended up on his back and Begath couldn't get out. There was no sprint lane back then, of course, which will please some. Probably wouldn't please uh, B. Gath at the top of the straight there, but he, he was just too good Westburn Grand. He had speed. I think he was a high-speed horse more than anything Westburn Grant, but I reckon he had two of the two efforts in him, two high-speed efforts, if that makes sense. He could work off the gate. He'd come back to you, and then he'd finish off as well. And that come back to you a bit, that's pretty hard with a stallion normally. But when you hear Vic talk about him in his life after racing, and I'll tell you what, some horses have had a good life after racing. Westburn Grant, not only did he so, go have uh, stallion duties, which I'm sure he enjoyed, but I think he enjoyed living out his years on the farm at Sleepy Hollow with Vic Frost, wandering around that farm. Uh, I think almost uh, Vic could have nearly built a bar. If he had to build a, an outside bar, walk-up bar, he would have lent up on that bar, he would have had a pot, and he would have had... Westburn Grant standing next to him having a pot as well. When he talks about him, it's not like he's talking about a horse. He's talking about his best mate. It's uh, You'll understand when you listen to it. It's absolutely uh, as good as it gets on Trot's Life today. I'm looking forward to you enjoying that throughout uh, the second hour of this show. But, yeah, the first hour, John Langdon will join us. They're talking about a legend in Vic Frost. What a legend John Langdon is. Uh, Garrick Knight will also join us and we'll talk about the Kiwi runner in the New Zealand, uh, from New Zealand for the Inter Dominion, which I've almost, I've been so wrapped up in going back to 1992 with Vic and, and with John Langdon that I've almost forgotten that it all kicks off Saturday night, the Inter Dominion. It's crept up on me over the last couple of days. Trotters heats, three rounds of heats, which I'm stoked there's three rounds of heats. I think more than anything, it means you have to finish in the top four to sort of make it now. You could you could finish 6-6-6 six, six, six and get in the final when there's only two rounds of heats or two divisions of heats. Having three divisions of heats means you've really got to run top four in all three uh, to effectively make it. You can win one and finish in eighth or ninth. Yes, I get it. You could win two and run last in the other one. You'll get in, right? But... To just sneak home in the fifth or sixth each time and make it into the Dominion final, you can't do that now. You've got to run top four. And you've got to sort of factor in in in, a, in three rounds of heats. You're going to get a bad draw. You're going to get some bad luck. So in the other two, you've got to make your luck and you've got to take your opportunities when you get them. Majestuoso and Bolt for Brilliance drawn one and two. Well, they're not necessarily going to have gates one and two in the second round of heats. So they've got to take this opportunity and take this chance to bank some points early. But where's Bolt for Brilliance at? He's been under an injury cloud. He's obviously better if he's come here for the race. So many stories coming out in the trotters, the paces. Yeah, there's, there's a story brewing around 
Emma Stewart, I would say. Can she train? She's won one grand circuit race. One grand circuit race with Philadelphia Man. Could she win an Inter-Dominion? I, I would say to win the Inter-Dominion now, she would trade in any Vicbred success she would have in the next month. One Inter-Dominion would mean six Vicbred wins. That's how it almost seems to me. I'd love, I'll have to get her on and we'll have to ask her that question. Emma or Clayton, they are a combination. Uh, it would be, I'd be intrigued to hear what it would mean to them to win an Inter-Dominion. And it feels like they've got a lot of chances, but no leading light, no main contender of all of their chances. And there's just a lot, a lot of really good paces in that series. Better Eclipse gets the gate one in his round of heats. And he's somewhat of a sentimental favourite for me after the banter with Jason Bonington that I've had over the past year or so. It was great to catch up with Jason on Tuesday's show. This is Trot's Life. It's your Wednesday edition. First and foremost, I haven't given him a mention yet. Adam Hamilton's going to join me on the other side of the break. And we are going to talk. He was there, Adam, at the 1992 Inter-Dominion I reckon he was only a young fella. He's in the footage. Some of the footage I've seen, it looks like he was about 18. I'm sure he's a little bit older than that at the time. He had the long flowing locks at the time. Uh, it's some sort of a seed. He gets his his melon on camera. As he stands behind Vic uh, as Vic comes back to scale with that champion Westbird grad. It's going to be some sort of a show. Stay tuned for Trot's Eye for a big couple of hours. Adam Hamilton. Then John Langdon, Garrick Knight, and Vic Frost to fill up the whole second hour. Welcome back to Trot's Life. It's your Wednesday edition. I'm joined on the line first and foremost by Adam Hamilton, who, like me, I was there in 1992, but I was 11 years of age. I won't do Adam the discredit of asking him what age he was, but... Adam, in reviewing the uh, footage and some old videos, there's a very long-haired, young-looking gentleman standing behind Vic Frost when he came back to scale, mate. Uh, firstly, I better ask how you are, whereabouts are you, and uh, and your recollections of standing behind Vic Frost when he came back to scale? Lot to unpack there, Toby. Lot <laughs> yeah. to unpack. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, firstly, I'm, I'm up in Brisbane um, uh, doing a little bit of filming up here, uh, for a couple of days, but um, obviously I'll be getting back as uh, you know in the next couple of days to get ready for night one of the Inter Dominion, which I can't wait for. And a lovely piece of synergy because that is the first Inter Dominion that I ever worked at yep. the 1992 series. So um, I'd been working for the Herald Sun uh, or the Herald, the afternoon paper as it was then. I'd been working for them for uh, probably about two and a half years going into that series. And Neil Donnelly, their harness rider, had finished up just before that. So I was on the big dance covering that Inter-Dominion series. Um, it didn't uh, prompt me to have a haircut, as you <laughs> rightly identified when you saw the vision. That came a couple of years later. And what you may also have been able to see, if you looked really close, was that uh, pirate-like gold earring that I thought was pretty trendy to have back in those days. But, uh, yeah, different times, a, a really fun era, and that was a, an incredible year in my life because it was the same year that I also met lifelong friend and one of the craziest dudes I've ever come across in 
Michael Guerin about seven or eight months after that in the Minion. I met him for the first time at the Miracle Mile that year at uh, up there at Harold Park. So yeah, there was a really significant year in my life on many levels, 1992. Yeah, it would have been. And, mate, covering that first into Dominion, and there was a lot going on. I remember the week of it, Impressionist. I was actually connected to Teddy Demler Stable back then. We had a horse in the series, Barrel Boy. He didn't make the final, but Impressionist was... was un- a lovely horse, Toby. He, he was, was a lovely horse, Barrel Boy. <laughs> he was a lovely horse, but Impressionist was under a big injury cloud. I'm not sure how much uh, the media knew about that compared to what I knew. But anyway, he was under a big injury cloud. Uh, level advice drew the back row from memory. Uh, now, <laughs> there was a horse almost forgotten that drew... Barrier one and ran second in a heat. He drew the second row inside second row in the other two heats. Uh, Westburn Grant was his name. He was almost uh, gate five. He was he had an awkward barrier draw in a sense and somewhat was forgotten in the lead up to the race, Adam. He was um, not forgotten for his greatness, but probably, probably written off, I guess, is, is the best way of describing it because he was in the twilight of his career. He, he hadn't been winning. Um, and and he was, you know, twilight of a hard career where he's yeah. been a superstar since he was a young horse. And I think injuries were starting to take their toll on him. And he was, I'm not going to say he was a day-to-day proposition, but he needed all of the genius of, of Vic Frost to get him through that series. And, and everybody was still interested in how he was going but nobody knew how he was going because no one could find Vic Frost for the week <laughs> leading into the final. He vanished off the face of the earth, Toby. Vanished. Yeah, well, <laughs> he was in Venus Bay. I know that much. Uh, but whether you could get hold of him, I suppose there was no mobile phones or anything like that back then, so it was probably a bit easier to vanish, Adam. Well, you can't get hold of Vic on a mobile phone now. <laughs> yeah, so imagine yeah. what it was like back in 1992 trying to get hold of him full stop. So, um, yeah, look, I, I look. The, the rumor mill had it that he'd escaped to somewhere just to focus on the horse. And um, you know, I know, I know that you're uh, you're going to have a chat with Vic. And it was a it was a tough time in his life on many levels. And and he'll go through that with you. But I think he wanted to get away from every possible distraction, and he wanted to find a beach with the sand to to probably help the ageing leagues of Westburn Grant. And I've spoken to him about it since, and he said there's no doubt it was the difference between winning winning the final and not winning it, that he was able to find that glorious straight stretch of beach. And I go down many years, uh, well, I've been down many, many years to Wilson's Promontory, which is a little bit further on from Venus Bay. And I actually stopped on the way down there one year just to have a look at it because, you know, the place had been so legendary in my mind because of that story around Westburn Green. Did you sit on the beach and almost look and see him running past you in your mind's eye just with Vic with a cunning little smile like you couldn't (laughs) find me back then, could you, boy? (laughs) Exactly. Legend has it that he went, that he he worked him in a straight line and obviously that was easier on his legs or better for his legs as well. So, and legend has it that he ran something like about a 150 straight mile on the beach, which which I, I could I could actually believe because he was such an incredible horse, Westburn Brand. And, 
Um, you know, that was probably Vic finding out finding out for himself if the horse was still in, you know, if he was in good enough condition to be a serious chance in the final. And obviously he was, and obviously history shows he was, there was still plenty of fight in the old dog at that stage of his, uh, you know, the, the dwindling years of his career. Yeah, well, that that's not that hard to believe. He won the Miracle Mile only about four or five months prior in 155. So a straight line, 150, yeah, that's what he would have run. That That's very, very easy to believe. Yeah, he was a yeah, remarkable horse. He, he, he became, you know, the equine face of the Miracle Mile for a number of years. And, of course, mm. in his early, early stages, he went over to New Zealand when no one dared to go to New Zealand for their derbies. They had a big yeah. bonus on and he won all their big three-year-old races over there and won the bonus. And, and the New Zealanders were like, who the hell is this horse? Like, we have the best three-year-olds, not Australia. And this horse has come over here and just owned us over a space of about three weeks. You know, Adam, he is still 20th on the all-time paces prize money. He won one and a half times what Lock and Varart did. So Lock and Varart won 1.4 million. He won almost 2.1 million. It's unbelievable when you put it in those terms for people of the modern era. Like that's a lot of prize money in in the late eighties, early nineties. Yeah, you've got to say that um, you know, other than perhaps Black's a fake because of his longevity and the magnitude of races that he won. But um, he, if if he did a, some sort of pro rata, he'd be the second highest earner the sport's ever seen. I think. Yeah. Which is, yeah, which you could actually, I could actually work that out somehow, but I haven't got all day, so I won't quickly work that out. And the other one, the trotting into Dominion that year, William D won it for John Langdon, who's going to join us as well. So I'm privileged to have them both on. He was a legend of the sport. He more more than just the William D, of course, in 1975, he won with Carlotta's Pride and Young Quinn, where he's still the only driver to win both trotters and paces in the one year. Yeah, and as a young guy starting out in the trots, which I was um, yeah. back in '92, to meet John Langdon was was almost a bit daunting, given what he'd achieved in the Inter Dominion. And you always, it's it's often said by people, isn't it? You know, when you look up to someone, you always hope they're they're a good quality person. They're not just great at what they do. And and gee, that was spot on with John Langdon. Like I, if I, I haven't seen John for quite a few years, but I know if I saw him, we'd we just pick up where we left off. He was a, a just a beautiful human to deal with, and obviously, you know, his son Michael then uh, then came into the sport as well. And his son Michael was close with Vinnie Knight, and Michael named John's grandson Vincent after Vinnie Knight. So, but yeah, you talk about legends, and New Zealand's had many, many of them over the years in harness racing, but. For his achievements, particularly at the height of his powers, John Langdon, he's got to sit right up there. Adam, I thank you, mate, for a few of your recollections of the Quid Inter Dominion Pacing Championship all those years ago in 1992. And in, we probably didn't realise what we were witnessing at the time or appreciating it probably as much as we would now in our later years as just young people. I was only, as I said, I was 11 years of age. But you, you would have thrown in the deep end. And I think looking back, yeah, I don't think we would have appreciated it as much as what we did at the time, if that makes sense. No, look, you're absolutely spot on. Um, we we just had greatness year after year at that stage, didn't we? So yeah. Um, and what a what a what a vintage time of horses. It was around the time <laughs> of, 
you know, Benny Knight and all of his his superstars, you know, in those early days of Westburn Grand, and he talked about Teddy Demler and his horses and the Kiwis as well. So, no, I enjoyed the wander down memory lane, and I love the work that, and the memories that you bring back for us through a series like this, Toby. Keep up the great work. Good on you, Adam. I'll see you at the uh, first round of Inter-Dominion Heats at Ballarat. We'll create some more history this year, mate. Good on you, mate. Thanks, Ad. Welcome back to Trot's Life, and I'm joined now by a legend of harness racing and Inter-Dominion Hall of Fame member, John Langdon. John, firstly, mate, uh, how are you today, and, and whereabouts are you living these days? Yeah, good, thank you. Uh, we're living in uh, Queensland on the Gold Coast. Yeah, sounds that sounds good, mate. Nice and warm up there, is it, today? Yeah, it's lovely. Now, I'm going back through uh, Inter-Dominions in Victoria from, uh, you know, we've got the Inter-Dominion coming up here in, in December and... I'm up to 1992, and the winner was a little horse named William D. Now, this should bring back some fond memories for you, I'd imagine. Yes, it certainly does. Winning any Inter Dominion obviously brings back fond memories. Now, take us through uh, how you got the horse. You didn't get him, John, until he was about five years of age, if that's right. Um, I'm not quite sure. I think he might have even been older, but uh, he was in work with a trainer uh, in uh, in uh, New Zealand, and uh, that the uh, owner wished to um, to uh, transfer him to, to my stable, so he did that, and uh, he, he was a nice horse before I got him. And uh, I just had a few problems with him galloping early, but uh, uh, a horseman up, up our way, Cambridge, Colin Butler, uh, re-shot him and got him trotting nice. And, hmm. and then uh, he was in the 1991 Inter-Dominion Series where he ran second in both the heats and seventh in the final. So he showed he wasn't too far off it uh, in the 1991 series. Yeah, yeah, he he was always a nice horse. Didn't have any real speed, but certainly stuck on very well. He came back that year later uh, in the November, and, and he had a really great uh, cup week, if you recall. Yeah, yeah, I think he won... Uh... I think it was uh, the three trots that he the cup meet. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You won the... uh, including the Dominion Handicap on the last night. And at that point was, I suppose you freshened him up, did you? And then did you target the Inter-Dominion in Melbourne? Was that the next main target for him after the clean sweep in New Zealand Cup Week? Yeah, yeah, it certainly was. And, uh, yeah, he measured up very well. Very pleased with him. He had four four runs before the final. He ran second uh, off thirty five meters in a free for all, which was it would have been a good hit out, I'd imagine, for him. Then he ran third in the Cochrane Cup, and then fourth in both the heats to Fraggle Rock and Lynn's Choice. Were you just priming him for that final? Yeah, well, obviously, you, you know, you aim at the big race and. Uh... He was uh, he was coming through it all very well, 
and got a good run uh, in the final. I was uh, trailing the leader and came out and uh, went to the front and he stayed in front of the trip, you know, for the rest of the trip. Once you're in front, he was such a good staying horse and just seemed like he could just run at that same good tempo for so far. He was always going to be very hard to beat from the 2,000-metre mark where you got him to the front that night. Yeah, especially in front. He was, um, if he could get to dictate his own terms um, and just grind on, he was a very nice horse. Now, John, it'd be remiss of me if I didn't touch on a, on another year of uh, the Inter-Dominion, although it's not our focus, of course, but 1975, I'm, I'm not sure how old you were at the time. I wasn't even born, but you won both the Pacers and the Trotters Inter-Dominion in the one year. I don't think that feat's been achieved by anyone since. No, it was... Uh, I won uh, with Castleton's Pride, and then a week later won the uh, pacing final with the uh, young Quinn. Yeah. Uh, both of them uh, drives came about when Charlie Hunter had a fall and broke his wrists. Wow. And, uh, yeah. And you you assumed the drives and, yeah, you got the, the job done. Young Quinn was... An outstanding pacer. He won off 15 metres behind and went on to win a Miracle Mile and race successfully in America for a long time. Yeah, uh, soon after, Charlie got his wrists out of um, out of plaster and he actually uh, drove him in uh, that same year in uh, Melbourne and won. And, uh, yeah, then later on he went to America and... Yeah, I think he finished up winning 700 or 800,000. Which was a bit of money so, back then. So, yeah, yeah, he was a nice horse. Tell, tell us, and, and the answer to this mightn't be an Inter-Dominion final. It, it might be involving a horse named Nero Ship winning the New Zealand Cup, but what was the greatest victory you ever had, John? Well, Nero Ship actually won an Auckland Cup and then went on to win a New Zealand Cup. Hmm. And the fact that uh, I'd trained him since he was, well, yeah, all his life, probably gave me more, more satisfaction than anything, you know. He was a great little horse, although he never made it as a stallion. He, uh, he was a very good horse. John, I thank you so much for giving us uh, five or six minutes of your time today, and uh, hopefully... Uh, we can see you maybe next year, the Inter-Dominion's in Queensland, and you might be able to get down and we'll catch up then. Thanks very much. Much appreciated. Welcome back to Trot's Life. And now it is <clears throat> Garrick Knight, brought to us by Knight Exports. If you're looking for a Kiwi horse, email Garrick at knightexports at gmail.com or find him on Twitter at Garrick R. Knight. Don't know who that was, Garrick, but I just did it anyway. <laughs> it was the light version of my uh, famous introduction, Valvoline Man. Now, look, uh, <laughs> good to be joining you again. Um, plenty of racing, both sides of the ditch. Obviously, the Inter-Dominions is it's the centrepiece. Breeders' Crown's been and gone. New Zealand Cup Week's been and gone. In the books. Just, and here we are. Just interviewed 
a legend, a legend of New Zealand harness racing by the name of John Langdon. He won the 1975 Pacers and Trotters into Dominion. And he also won, of course, the 1992 into Dominion with a horse called William D, my friend. And uh, he's uh, going well enough, John. And, you know, you sort of got to pinch yourself when you run a show like this. Got Vic Frost coming up in the second hour of this show to talk about Westburn Grant. There's some, it's a little bit a lot of. And then, the, and then you've got, you're stuck with me here, um, this battler in the middle of all that. Well, those are two luminaries. Yeah. yeah, John Langdon, very very famous name of the 70s and 80s, um, even 90s. He was very closely associated with guy John Green, um, who more recently mm-hmm. was... Uh, oh, he obviously has, has a, he had a strong holding over there in Australia for a number of years as a trainer as well. Um, I think John had a son, Vinnie Langdon, possibly, who was very involved in the game at some point in, in, in Melbourne or somewhere as a driver. Michael. Son Michael Green, Michael. son named Vincent. Grandson. Grandson. Right, right. Okay. Yeah, John actually trained and drove um, one of my favourite horses growing up in an open-class place called Letterkenny Lad. Yeah, yeah. You know, raced raced around the time of um, Christopher Vance and um, its motor power and Mark Hanover, the bruiser, that that level. I was probably my first favourite horse was um, John Langdon's Letterkenny Lad. He made an inter-minion final, I reckon, and ran 10th. Yeah, I think the 91 final in, in, in Auckland, he definitely was in that series. Did yep. he make, make the grand final? I'm not sure. Um, oh. But he not 91, I think, possibly. Yeah. Where was that? Australia? Look, yeah. I, I don't want to um, elaborate and come up with these unique facts and figures of horses in the past because you'll call me some kind of train-spotting freak, as you described, <laughs> as I was described on Twitter by yourself. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't too bad. Not many would have the uh, <laughs> the wherewithal to, to fight, either recall path. or um, look up flight paths <laughs> for Bankstown, and there we go. That was quite actually that that, you know, that story actually made it on the the uh, six pm news here in New Zealand. Quite surprisingly, um, was some lady in a yoga class or a line dancing class got her had her car landed on by a tra- uh, by a plane. So there you go. So so that just so people have no idea what we're talking about. The, a plane basically landed on the Bankstown trotting track, and uh, me being the unique person I am, I thought, geez, flight path would have grown up there. So I quickly looked up flight path, and he won his first start at Bankstown. And um, I made a stupid joke on Twitter about flight path and Bankstown and the plane crashing there, and Garrick Knight um, abused me on Twitter and said I'm a freak. Uh, mate, now, <laughs> Dabba, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, and you can always add a bit of mayonnaise to one. Now, let's talk about the Inter Dominion in specifics. There's not too many new Kiwi horses first up in Australia over coming days. So, mate, obviously the big one, the big question that everyone's going to want to know this this week, it comes up in race three at Ballarat. It's the heat two of the Trotters Inter Dominion, and it's a horse called Bolt for Brilliance, and I think in many regards, it almost feels like he's flying the one and only sole Kiwi flag. But I think by the end of this chat, we might have changed our opinion. But let's talk Bolt for Brilliance for starters. Well, look, he's definitely the only New Zealand trained horse. Um, so in that respect, he is the flag bearer. Tony Hurley, our greatest ever or winningest ever driver, should I say. Um, mind you, Dexter Dunn must be getting very close to um, overtaking him when you factor on these American wins. Um, but yeah, Tony, um, you know, 
not just a champion driver, but a very, very good trainer. And, you know, he wouldn't have jumped on. I actually spoke to him an hour ago. He was about to get on the plane. Um, he said he wouldn't have come over if he didn't have absolute confidence the horse has recovered. It was very lucky. They thought it was a virus that, that bothered him on New Zealand Cup Day. It turned out to just be a lung infection, which was a lot of an, a lot easier a fix. Um, yeah, I guess there's going to be a little doubt about his fitness, I suppose. But you probably want to be coming into this next two weeks short of fitness, I would think. Yeah, um, yeah. Especially if you're one of the if you're one of the better horses, like he's he can go into this first heat probably eighty percent if he needed to, and with due respect to the others, an eighty percent fit bolt for brilliance is still going to get good points. Um, you know. I did just read something uh, saying, you know, Andy Gath come out and said, we'll be leading on Majestuoso, so there's going to be some early fireworks, but Tony won't be there looking for a dog fight first up. I've got no doubt about that. He's, he's too sharp an operator. So, um, yep, we'll just wait and see how he goes this week, Ballarat. But he's scope clear. He's, um, look, the best, best way I can describe this for any Australians who are still in doubt or are, are sort of unfamiliar with the horse, he beat Sunday's son, fair and square over two miles in the road cup back in uh, April. Um, he's as good as Sunday's son. I, I, I know, and I don't say that lightly, the other horse, just freakish champion staying effort to win the Dominion a couple of weeks ago. Uh, but, you know, the only way I think Sunday's son can beat Bolt for Brilliance is over two miles. Anything other than that, Bolt for Brilliance has his measure. So, yep, I think he is the best trotter in the country now and will be going forward. And that will bode well for his chances in this Inter Dominion, provided his lungs are up to scratch. I'm not sure we're allowed to say um, the driver of Majestic Man's name at all. So let's not mention it. I think he's on a temporary ban from all. Yeah, look, from I, I'll be honest. I didn't actually watch. I didn't watch the, the race on Friday night. I was playing just at the back end of my cricket game, having a few beers. But I jumped on Twitter and I had to wonder if maybe the driver had uh, well, what had happened, whether he'd something had happened to him because he was very popular on the timeline. Um, uh, yep. Less said on that, the better. Obviously, it's a, still a raw subject for a few punters, I think, over there. Um, what, what, yeah. Where, where, so. Where's Bolt for Brilliance line up against Majestic Man? Like, are you saying he's two lengths better or ten lengths better? Oh, well, hey, look, it's rich of me to say anything because Majestic Man ran straight past Bolt for Brilliance on the Zealand crook. Cup. He was eight. crook. Uh, yeah, he was crook. He was crook. Uh, look, I'm not going to take him away from Majestic Man. He's a brilliant horse, but he's... You know, in the old terms, he's eight-year-old now. As I think Bolt for Brent's is only a six-year-old. Does that sound right? Um, you know, you'd argue just sort of coming into his prime. Majestic man, still got plenty of pep in his motor. But I just think both horses right now, 100% fitness and soundness, you wouldn't find many people backing Majestic man over Bolt for Brent's. He's a five-year-old, so he's right in the sweet spot. If you ask me, five is uh, 100% mm-hmm. in that sweet spot. So that yeah, look, look, Majestic Man's probably a good yardstick because obviously he's come out. He went yeah, over the last summer or the summer before and had a brilliant, brilliant time of it. Obviously, he didn't get um, into the means and go as planned without the victory anyway. Um, but yeah, using that as a yardstick from last year, definitely you'd think Bolt for Brent is in this up to his eyeballs. And the Kiwis are going to have a, a big part to play. Ah, come um, on! I mean, they're going to claim Queen Alita as well because not only is she, I think, a hundred percent owned over here. Brent Lilly's a Kiwi as well. Let's not forget that. So pretty much she's running for New Zealand. So you're going with two. She had three starts in New Zealand, a third, a seventh, and a fifth Queen Elida. And, yes, 
Cheers, Kiwi owned, and we've we've I've had one of the owners on. Maybe Tony Barron came on about twelve months ago. I reckon you might have helped me hook hook up with him on that front. Mm. So so you're going to claim two horses for the series. Uh, this is a cheeky question. I think I know the answer to this. It's <laughs> it's going to be no. We're going to claim mm. a lot more, but it kind of feels like there's no Kiwi interest. But I think you might tell me otherwise. No, there's plenty of interest there, especially even on the pacing. Oh, okay, another one. One overall. For um, Lara J Farm, Jess and Greg, he's 100% owned over here by Lex Williams, who's best known as the part owner of champion Mare One over Kenny. Um, him too. Over on the pace, pacing side as well, like like a wildfire. Geez, how good's he going at the moment? He's 100% Kiwi owned. Ag's White Sox, Ultra Orlando, owned by the Dunn family, um, and even like Spirit of St Louis, Triple Eight. Those guys, those horses have got large New Zealand shareholdings. So, yeah, uh, Vacation Hill. Probably the subject of maybe one of the worst predictions I've made in this segment in the last 12 months when I declared how good she was, and she possibly hasn't gone on as I expected she would have. But, um, you know, she's another one completely end over here. So, look, there may be a bit of theory that the Kiwi, the Kiwi interest in the series might be a bit low this year, but I don't think so. There's, there's plenty of involvement. Um, so come Saturday night, yeah, I'm sure once the uh, you know six heats in the space of a couple of hours, everyone loves it. We all love the old style of the uh, Inter Dominion series. It's, it's must see viewing. You you also you also declared Majestic Harry first up in Australia and an up to fifty five trot in a Tuesday at Albion Park, and he paid four dollars eighty, mate. Declared him, you did. Did I? <laughs> yeah, geez, uh, you know. All those lads out there who might be swooning over Brittany Graham, um, you know, I hate to say it, but I think that's been stolen. Majestic Harry, everything, everything I see online, she's completely besotted with the sauce. So her and her sister Stephanie have travelled down, I think, uh, to Victoria for the series. And yeah, I can tell you now, he was not a dear horse, and the fee manages to, you know, make the final and even run the money. Jeez, what a story that'll be. 100%. That's all we've got time for. Garrick, mate, thanks so much for your time and look forward to touching base uh, next Wednesday when we'll know a lot, lot more about this series and exactly where Bolt for Brilliance is at and all the other horse Australian horses that you're claiming. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much I can find a New Zealand link to about half of the horses racing and enters. So <laughs> find a way somehow. Yeah, and Pink Galaz is Australian bred, but we've linked it direct to you. Thanks, Garrick. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. <laughs> mate. Welcome back to Trot's Life, and I am now joined by the legend that he is in Vic Frost. Vic, mate, first of all, how are you and whereabouts are you today? Uh, yeah, good to, good to talk to you there, Toby. Uh, yeah, mate, I'm at home uh, we're, uh, with my wife, Gail, and uh, we've got a little property here at uh, Sleepy Hollow. And uh, where we train our horses, we've got our own track, we've got our own stables, yards, paddocks, um, and we're at the moment we're irrigating a bit of uh, rye grass and oats. So, <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's, it's all happening, mate. Um, uh, that, of course, that's after we uh, work all the horses of the morning. And I spoke to you last week, and you're away in the Northern Territory, Barramundi fishing. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that's the first. First time we've been back in about twelve years, uh, and uh, it was really good to go back and and uh, catch a few barra. And um, we had barra for tea last night, so that was very good. And uh, 
and it's, it's a long, hard slog up there, mate. It's about 3,000 k's getting up and about the same coming back. And, and of course, you're living in the extreme bloody heat all the time. You know, it's around that 39, 38, 39 yeah. degrees all the time. So, And we were, we were leaving camp at 4 o'clock of the morning to get out uh, fishing. So it, was, it wasn't like a sort of a holiday, that you would say, but it was, yeah. a, it was good in one way. Have you checked your passport lately, Vic? You are 81 years of age, you realise? Yes, I know. I know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, mate. <laughs> yeah. Now, but, uh, what we're here to discuss is the great horse, Westburn Grand. I've been doing a series of chats about Inter-Dominions, but before we get there, you don't just turn up to an Inter-Dominion and win it off two weeks' worth of work or two weeks' worth of experience a lifetime went in before that 1992 Inter Dominion Series, Vic. So tell us what got you involved in harness racing initially, mate. Go, of course. Yeah. You know. um, yeah. Um, what got me into horses was um, when I was about eight year old, and I I had very bad asthma, and still got that all the way through my life. I've had bad asthma, but hmm. anyway, that's a I've, I've survived, mate. They didn't think I would, but I have. Um, and uh, the kids in the street adapto um, had ponies to ride, and I pestered mum and dad to get me a buddy horse to ride. And they said, "Okay, well, you, you know, and we were just jumping over logs like you do when your kids, you know, just getting on a horse and jumping over logs and that sort of stuff." And that was okay. And and uh, dad used to cut uh, props, uh, pit props, they used to call them, to put in the mines when they would go and tunneling in under the mountain. Yeah. They had to have uh, props to hold the, the roof up and that, and the props and that. And Dad used to cut them in the bush, like, you know. And uh, so it, he had a mate helping him do that because the old cross-cut saw, you had to have someone else on the other end of the saw, you know. Yeah. And uh, back in the old days, there was no chainsaws or anything like that. So anyway, uh, and uh, uh, Bill Murray was his name, and uh, Bill said, hey, hey George, my, that's my dad's name, and he said, George, that's a trotting there. He said, you bought there for Vic? And he said, oh, I don't know. He said, yeah, he said, that's a bloody trotting breed. He said, look, he said, I used to race horses around the shows and I've got an old set of hobbles over there. He said, do you mind if I put them on her? And Dad said, no, no, Vic will ride around and work for you. Yeah, that's all right. So it comes over one day, puts hobbles on, and anyway, she, she got better and better. And I, I worked around the football Fields and then they kicked me off there because I was making a bit of a track out of it. <laughs> of a and they, they didn't like it too much, so I had to go somewhere else to train. But then anyway, we put it in the Dapto show one year, and uh, I was I was twelve, and uh, should never have been ever allowed to ride. But it was back in them days; it was rapidly rules, mate. You know, yeah. so no one cared too much, and not not many regulations. So anyway, I jumped on this mare and I go around and. And uh, so I win the race. That was my first ride, you know. And, yep, and, yep. Uh, and, uh, yeah, yeah. And the, the steward, uh, he, he, he said to me, he said, as I was going around, he said, hey, son. It took me half a lap to pull her up because I was as skinny as a rake and, you know, uh, wheezy all the time. And uh, he said, how old are you, son? I said, 16. <laughs> they told me to say 16. Yeah, yeah. I was 12, mate. I was 12. So, yeah. 
Anyway, they everyone told me to say sixteen. Otherwise, you say twelve, you'd be pulling off the horse. Yeah. <clears throat> anyway, but he knew bloody well I wasn't bloody sixteen. Next year, and anyway, next was some years gone by. So we do the shows again. We done Wollongong, I am and now um, Angaroo Valley. You know, all, all, all Albion Park, all that. <clears throat> and uh, he said. Next year, he said, oh, how old are you, son? 16. I said, 16. That went on for two. And he, like, he knew bloody well I wasn't, but he, he, he knew I could ride, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So obviously I was a very good rider back in them days. So uh, everyone, and, and that's how it all started. And then when when, when the show's finished, uh, Dad said, oh, I might get a trotter or something. Like, you know, we might train a trotter. And that's how it all started. And that's what put me into the game. Unbelievable, isn't it? That you were sixteen yeah. for five years, and you're still sixteen. Yeah. I reckon that's that's the yeah. answer. We've just found out how you are still going as well as you are. You still think you're sixteen, mate? Yeah. Well, <laughs> I know I'm only sixteen, but I'm still I still class myself as a, a younger fella. You know, I, yeah. I I do everything that young people do. I go, I drive the bloody horses here, you know, and go and I, I go and cut bloody trees down through the road and branches and show paddocks and you know, I, I do all the things that you would normally do, you know. Now, in the early 80s, you had a fair bit of success, I would say. You had a really good horse called Glenn's Thunder who you bred and I assume was named after, uh, I, I assume Glenn was your son. There was a Glenn Frost used to drive in the 90s. I'm sure he was your son. And you had another horse called Area Code as well. So you had some you know, they were top-line horses. Glenn's Thunder ran fifth in a Miracle Mile. Like, we're not talking just ordinary, like, just free-for-alls either. These were horses that reached grand circuit levels and won derbies, etc. So you had some pretty nice horses in the early 80s, Vic. Absolutely. And and talking about Glenn's Thunder, he is a, he is named after my first son. Yep. And uh, he, he was up fishing at, uh, in the Northern Territory with us, him and his wife. Yeah. And, the, and, his, and his son, which is my grandson. So we were all up there fishing. Uh, we only got back uh, on Sunday. So anyway, uh, yeah, the Glenn's son, that we bred him and we named him after Glenn. And he was a very good horse. And we, um, a bit of a story to him. Uh, mm. we, we, uh, we won the Cranbourne Cup with him there one year. Went down and, and the steward at the time, I, I just could hear the steward was... But anyway, he, 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 as I was weighing in, because back then you used to check your whip and all that sort of stuff. And um, the, the steward said, he said, oh, he said, he said, uh, Vic, this is a good horse. And uh, he said, because Cranbourne track at that time, when you turn into the straight, it's all uphill. And, yeah. and I'd been in front and I'd been attacked a couple of times. And he said, for any horse to turn in front of you after being, have to do work, he, he said they're bloody good horses. They're still staying in front by the winning post, and this bloke did see. So anyway, I, I wanted to bring him home. So well, I did bring him home, and uh, Perth kept bringing up the guys over there. They wanted him to race in the old nugget. You know, it's a hundred thousand dollar race. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so it was you know, the bloody money was very tempting. But I said no. I said I want to take him home, and I want to spell him. He's you for spell, you know. Yeah. And. Uh, Anyway, they kept they kept at us and at us and at us, and they paid for this, they paid for that, paid everything, you know, and for my wife and myself, and, and took another horse with him. But anyway, that was I let myself fall to that, um, that the, you know, because he probably would have won that hundred thousand. Well, he won the heat, um, and I only got there on the Friday morning, and and uh, coming back from the airport, they 
took me over and I just jogged him in the track just to give him a look at it. And then I brought him back that night and he won the he won his heat. And um, from there on, he was fighting for his life and eventually we eventually had to put him down. He 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 got uh, like a travelling sickness and and he's he founded. So yeah, we, okay. He thought he, we had to put him down in Perth. So that was a big regret that we we let ourselves. We said no ten times, but then we let ourselves get talked into it, you know, and probably, you know, the money, the hundred thousand, you know, uh, those things are can't just sneeze at them, like you know. And anyway, that was a bad mistake for us, and and that's where he is. He was buried over in Perth at the Petri Hospital. Yeah, he had 43 starts for 29 wins and four placings. And from that, I don't think we ever saw the best of him. Area code, I'll take you back to one race. You won the Australian Derby. Do you remember who ran second in that race, Vic? Uh, was it Vinny Knight's horse? Um, no. Uh, no, it was, was a bloke called John Langdon who happened to win the Trotters into Dominion in 1992. And he is coming on the show on the show on the same show as you to talk about winning with William D. How's that for a coincidence? Oh man, geez, I tell you what, you've done bloody good, mate. You've done good. You got your bloody, you got your bloody uh, facts all in order too. Yeah, King Albert, King Albert <laughs> yeah, was the mate. horse in the Australian Derby area. Coach Jizzy was a nice horse. He won the Vic Derby, New South Wales Derby, and Australian Derby, which. In equivalent in these modern terms, that's virtually what Leap to Fame's done. Like, he was an absolute champion, wasn't he? Oh, after, oh tough bugger, mate. He, he was as tough as a bloody old nail, he was. Like, you know, and he used to pull very hard, you know. You couldn't you couldn't sit him too much. And uh, I think in that derby in Sydney, it was pouring rain. It was in the bloody wet, a real, real bad night. And um, I think, I think for me, memory, you might be able to correct me on that. <laughs> no, no, you go. But... Uh, but but I think I was outside the lead or something. Someone was trying to hold me, and I eventually went to the front. And, uh, yeah, I think something held me out. Um, uh, 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 Mitchell, uh, not Mitchell, Victory, Mitchell Victory, something like that, Vinnie Knight might add. One of, one of Vinnie Knight's horses, I think. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm going, my memory's not as good as it used to be. Um, um, armchair ride, maybe, for Vinnie Knight. Armchair ride, armchair, yeah. I, well, I thought it was Vinnie, you know, so... Um, we we've had a lot of clashes over the years with yeah. horses like you know, yeah, and uh, it was West Bankman as well. <clears throat> you know, yeah, and uh, I think I got to the front at the bell, and then put about ten lengths on him going to the back, yeah, Harold Park. And I think, what did he win by? Can you? I think he ran by a fair bit, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, it doesn't stay here, unfortunately. But you drew gate seven, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, he just went straight forward, and because you couldn't, you couldn't hold him much. You know, you were nearly, you were almost a passenger. You know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, with him, but he, yeah, but he was a bloody great horse, mate. Like you know, God, he had a bloody heart as big as a lion. A heart as big as a lion, Vic, mate. Hold that thought. We are going to take a break. We'll come back the other side, and we'll pick this ch- chat up a little bit further. We'll concentrate a little bit more on that champion spot, Westburn Grant. Welcome back to Trot's Life as we continue our chat with legend of the sport, Vic Frost. So you'd had these really, really good horses, right? And then one comes along, you raced a mare called Westburn View. She goes to stud, yeah. she goes to a stallion named Land Grant and 
uh, bred by Barney Breen and obviously by yourself and, and you are the co-owners in the horse and you come up with a name, Westburn Grant. Where did the name Westburn Grant came from? Obviously, the mo- mother's name was Westburn View and the father was Land Grant. It just seemed obvious. Yeah, well, I, I actually raced uh, that Lumber Dream mare. What's her name? Best, uh, Westburn View. Yep. Uh, yeah, well, see, when, when I was sort of quite young, uh, Barney Breen, he, he lived in uh, just out of Christchurch there. He had sheep farm and that, and he, he was really keen on breeding horses and all that sort of thing. And uh, this Barney Breen rings me up. I didn't know him. And he rang me up. He said, would you trade a couple of horses for me? I said, sure. Yeah, okay. I think the first one he sent over, I can't even think of his name now, but I think I won a couple round boy. And um, then, so he must have been pretty happy. He sent more and more and one more race. And then he sent uh, uh, Westburn View over. And, and she's, she's already uh, run a, a New Zealand record. Yeah. So I thought, She's a bloody nice mare, this. Yeah. And, and she's a lovely, lovely big mare, you know. So anyway, um, I'd, I'd raced around. I was running into horses like Gamma Light and that, like every time she had a run. Yeah. You're running into horses like that. So you like Gamma Light was like running into a bloody brick wall. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he was a tough bugger and he just kept bloody, kept winning. And uh, so anyway, I put her in the Bankstown Cup one night. Which was uh, later be, uh, become uh, some other cup, but anyway. True Memorial, um, yeah. True Memorial, yeah, true Memorial. That's right. And uh, anyways, in that race, she she broke a pedal bone, and she still she still ran fourth in it. Yeah. Uh, even even carrying the the broken pedal bone down the straight. So anyway, um, anyway, I told Barney and said, okay, so I'll send her to stud. And then uh, obviously um, he was talking to Kevin Seymour. Hmm. And he had land grant up there, so hmm. he gave him a service to that man. So anyway, and then she had the she had the foal, and uh, uh, I don't know if she had the foal. Anyway, uh, I went up and picked her up, and and, and I've got it. And and anyway, the the foal was Westman Grant. So uh, then uh, the, Barney said, "Well, look, I'll, how about I give you half share in him? Uh, you do all the expenses, and we go halves in him." Yeah. I said, yeah, okay, that's fine. That's, uh, that's fine. So that's why my Spurs Price, Margaret and myself, we owned a half share and Barney and Colleen Breen owned the other half. And that's the way it went right through his racing career. And uh, then when the stud, well, we know what he'd done at, at the racing, but then when the stud part came, hmm. uh, Barney, there was some stud, uh, 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 stud owners here wanted to buy into him, like, you know, which I, I suppose that's yeah. what that's, that's what they do. I didn't know because I'm just a racing man. I didn't, uh, but I let Barney do all that. And uh, so anyway, he, he wanted to stand him in New Zealand for a couple of years. And I said, well, I'll do all the racing stuff. You do all the the uh, all the breeding stuff. So he followed that much closer than what I did. Yeah. And he said, and, that, and that's why he didn't want to sell uh, sell shares to the, the the studs here in Australia because he he wanted to go to New Zealand with him for a couple of years and they would probably wouldn't have allowed that you know yeah 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 so so, so we just kept him ourselves uh, as the four of us and um, I think that's why he never got a real fair go at stud you know because yeah had, had the other boys bought into him well then he would have had some very good mares to go to and that probably would have made him you know go, going back though. We'll go through some of his racing career. He only raced 
three times as a two-year-old Vic. He won all three of them. He obviously showed plenty of ability, but you didn't over-race him as a two-year-old? No, he was very, very green. Actually, my son Glenn was driving him He did? Yeah, he did? Yeah. Yeah, he drove him in six wins, I think. Um, But then, uh, you know, Barney could see that the horse was going to be a really, really good horse. And then he sort of... He sort of pretty well forced me into driving him, like you know, because Glenn was only just a kid, you know, and uh, it would have, it would have put him on the map. But uh, you know, Barney said, "Look, he's he's a pretty good horse, and probably everyone was telling him he's he could be anything, and 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 that's why I, I you know, but Glenn drove me. Glenn got him going out there on the track at home, and and um, yeah, so um, yeah, he he had those wins on him, which were good, and uh, but. Glenn was green, so was the horse. The horse was there one night at Penrith on his first start. It was his, it was his first start, yep. Yeah, and and like Westburn Grove was outside the leather, going to the front, and he got to the corner, then Glenn had to drag him off. Like he was halfway past the line, and then they dragged him off, then he was half a length behind the horse. The next race, he'd head him off again, but couldn't cross. Then he had to grab a hold of him because the horse was so green. Yeah. He wanted to run in on, on the horse on the inside. But he eventually fell outside and then just kept going on one anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, he, he did win the three. He won the whole three of them. Then as a as a three-year-old, his achievements were many, really. He won the Victorian Derby from Gate 7. Uh, he won a Harold Park Guineas. He won a New South Wales Derby as well. And, you know, the times then, 159 over 23.50 in the New South Wales Derby was pretty impressive. He had a great campaign as a three-year-old in Victoria before, and I'll get to another question in a minute. But uh, the Victorian Derby, Gate 7 at Mooney Valley, I think in time that win in the Derby probably gave you a bit of confidence in an Inter-Dominion final at Mooney Valley when you drawn Paulie again. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Like he... He, he 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 could just do it, you know. Like um, he he was a bloody great horse, mate. Yeah, yeah. But he, he he was he was like a bloody Rolls Royce to drive. <laughs> like they don't they don't come like that very often. I can guarantee you. No, they certainly don't. Then the carry, the big challenge came, and I think with an owner with the owners or the half owner, ownership, the Breens in New Zealand it was an opportunity to go to New Zealand to win the Triple Crown and. There was $175,000 in stake money if you won the races and then a further $100,000 bonus. You took a three-year-old in the march, so not a real old three-year-old by today's standards anyway, all the way to New Zealand and you won all three races, two of them off the second row. Must have been some sort of effort and a a big journey for a three-year-old to go to New Zealand, Vic. Oh, absolutely. Like, you know, I I sort of worried a little bit about it. Like, you know, I mean, the horse being only... A young green, still probably a green horse, and uh, you know, taken on the Kiwis, mate, because they they can normally come up with a pretty bloody nice horse over there. Yeah, correct. And uh, yeah, on on that big Addington bloody circuit, and and I drew, I drew, I think I think I drew thirteen one one day, yep. eleven another, or something like that. I was, I was bloody back line, and I thought, God, jeez. And I, I said to Jerry Jones. There one day, oh, no, it was Peter Jones. It was, yeah, yeah, it was over at Derek's there one day, and, and Peter was there, Peter Jones, and uh, I said, ah, oh, jeez, I said, jeez, mate, I've got a bloody bad draw here. Like, you know, what do you know about these horses? And he's, I'll tell you his exact words. He said, Dick, don't worry, 
He said, you've got a long way to go, mate. Don't worry about where you draw it. He said, look, the race is a mile and a half, or 2,700 or something, mm. 2,600. He, he said, don't panic. He said, you're going to have plenty of time. And yeah. He was right. That was just good advice, you know. I mean, they're, they're, they were driving around there for years. And he said, he said, mate, don't panic. He said, don't worry. He said, it'll all pan out. Like, you know, you just do your normal thing and, and that's what I've done. I've only won the three of them. <laughs> so that was fantastic, mate. And he got the bonus as well. Yeah. And and in times, 217 over 2,600 metres as a three-year-old off the second row. Like, pretty amazing. Yeah. Even today, that's a good time, really, isn't it? Oh, damn, oh. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, bloody oath, mate. That long distance, that pulls the times down. Yeah. Dramatically. Now. Yeah. In modern terms, in the December that year, he would be a three-year-old still, how we talk about it. But he turned four and he went into a miracle mile and he won the miracle mile. So that would be like Captain Ravishing, I suppose, these days or Leap to Fame going into a miracle mile in, in a couple of weeks' time or it was the 24th of November 1989. It's nearly, a year. It's nearly the anniversary and he won the miracle mile as an early four-year-old. That was that was really set, you know. That was the next level from being a great three-year-old to winning a miracle mile, beating Thor Eight, Jody's Babe, Luxury Liner, Earth Station, and Koala Sunrise. Yeah, all all seasoned horses. Yeah, and 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 that that was probably he's probably uh, you might say it was his greatest feat because he was so young. Yeah, straight into that. Normally, when horses get into that. Top bloody bracket, mate, like them old seasoned old horses. Yeah. You still might only be going to run at the same time. But boy, it's much, it seems to be much harder up there, you know. And he then went on, won the Truel Memorial only 10 days later. Uh, you won the South Australian Cup before. He went into an Inter Dominion series in 1990, and he was probably the pre post favourite, I'd imagine, to the whole series. They didn't look after you with barrier draws. You drew nine, six, and nine in the heats for three placings and then ten in the final. And she's, I'd imagine the horse and yourself learnt a little bit out of this year and it was that great horse, Thorate, that won the final for Howard James. Yes. Yeah, that was in Adelaide, was it? Yeah, that's in Adelaide, yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember the race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no worries. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But, yeah, I just uh, the draws are... Uh, well, the draws today either win it for you or they don't, nearly, you know. But back in then, well, we just had to put up with bad draws and, and I just didn't have much luck on on my side, you know. You went back then and won the Miracle Mile again in 1990, back-to-back Miracle Miles. Uh, yeah. <laughs> fair achievement, Vic. Yeah. Yeah, one, one of those, right, I think I don't know whether it was the first one or the second one. Uh, it, it, like, back in them days, like, He'd come out of the gate in 26 and 2. Like, it was just un, unheard of back in the end. Like, I uh, thought it was inside me, and and uh, we blistered around that, that bloody first turn at Harold Park. And yeah, and the, the first, I don't think it ever was, uh, I don't think any other horse would have went anywhere near 26 and 2 out of the gate uh, the, around Harold Park. So, you know, I mean, he, that was the sort of horse. That he was, he could sort of come out like that, and, and then I'd, like Brian was inside me, uh, Thor. Right. Yeah, and uh, we were we were sort of nearly broadsiding. You know, we were going that bloody quick, and uh, anyway, Brian was 
thought, geez, he's going too bloody hard, you know. So he he just eased, and I got to, I went to the front. Then uh, you know I eased him down again, and then uh, something else come. I think it might have been uh, Kiwi yours. Tight uh, connection. No, been, yeah, down the back. He started to come, so I had to quick it up again around. And Brian come off the fence because he saw Rogers off. He goes like Westbrook won't be able to get going. The bloody blistering speed we done early. And he come off and come outside me and found the corner I just shook him up and he he went away from him. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, but anyway, he's he was he was a fantastic horse, mate. We'll never forget him. Yeah, we're not we're not even through through it all yet. Don't worry. Two trips <laughs> two trips to WA, you won back to back WA pacing cups, Vic, and I know uh one of them was probably the most special win to you after what happened with your late son, Gary? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, the um, we, had, we had to leave him there. And, um, yeah, we uh, left him with uh, another trainer. And uh, we came home and had a funeral and all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, my son Glenn went back and drove him. But um, he, he saw a, no, no one was... Uh, no one was uh, themselves <coughs> them, them days, but uh, yeah. But anyway, uh, we uh, after a funeral, well, you know, everyone said you got to go back, so we did. Yeah, and um, you were yeah. you you were ten to one to win that race, Vic. You weren't the favourite at all. The Franco Ice was favourite for the Master B Gath. Uh, there was there was some other great horses in it. The foe from New Zealand was there. The Imprimata went over from Victoria. There were some local horses, Zakara. But Spot knew yep. something that day, didn't he? He just knew Spot, didn't he? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, anyway, um, yeah, we sort of burnt out of the gate as usual. And yeah, uh, I eventually got to the front halfway down the back, and I thought, geez, I've spent some bloody petrol, um, you know. But anyway, he sort of. He, he sort of done it for us, mate. You know, he just, uh, we were hoping he was going to do it for us, and he did. He certainly did, and it was probably his greatest win, Vic, and we can hear that emotion in your voice as you recollect those memories, mate. Just hold the line there. We're going to take a break, and we'll come back the other side, and we'll get right stuck into the 1992 quit into Dominion. Welcome back to Trot's Life, and we roll along, and it comes to the 1992 Inter Dominion. So it's only a month later. You're, you're back in Victoria. You had a terrible run of barrier draws in one sense, right? You drew Garrick, but gate one, and a fast pacer called Level Advice crossed you and beat you in a heat. You were inside second row the next two heats. So you only ran second, fourth, and third through the series, but they might have been a blessing in disguise, Vic, because it probably meant you had a full horse after a big trip to WA. You, you almost had a full 100% horse ready to go in the final. Yeah, like I, I thought of that myself. I thought because he didn't have to bust his guts. Yeah. Like he, like he, from where he was drawn, like it was sort of probably giving him an easier run, if you if were to say that, you know? Yeah. So, so uh, yeah, that, that might have played into, into, into my hands a bit, you know? Take us the decision to train him down at Venus Bay in in Gippsland during the series. Yeah. You were tucked away; no one really knew where you were. It's not a trotting track. There's no trotting track down there. Where did you work him? How did all that come about? 
Uh, I worked him on the beach. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I normally work him on the beach wherever I go. Like, you know, if I take him to West, I work him on the beach. I, if I take him to South Australia, I work him on the beach. Um, yeah, so I, I sort of had to... I was working on the beach up here too, like you know, and uh, but yeah, we we the only beach we could find that we could get to um, it was at Venus Bay, yeah. and there was a guy that uh, a good mate of mine, Ken Norton, who lives in Victoria and still is in Victoria, um, he's still a good mate of mine, and he said, oh, he said, I know a bloke that's got a farm down there. He said he's got gallopers down there. Yeah, and I said, oh, I did, mate. I said. Can you get some stable yards or something? Like, you know? Yeah. And he said, yeah, I'll ring up and find out. And uh, anyway, the bloke said, yeah, yeah, you're all right, mate. Just come in. There's four or five stables there. You can take your pick, do this, do whatever you want. Yeah, no, you'll be right. And it was only a few k's from the beach. Hmm. And I thought, geez, so we went down and sussed it all out uh, before I took the horse there. And I thought, geez, Christ. Other than that, I stayed at uh, Arthur Forwards at... Uh, and Narrow Warren there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's where I was sort of saying. And then when this uh, place come up, I thought, my, geez, this is bloody ideal. I can get on the beach, I can work in the bloody normal and all that sort of stuff. So that's what we done. But the, the only thing is, there was no bloody, there was no bloody mobile phone range. <laughs> it was like, we were cut off from the bloody world, practically. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's all right. That would have been yeah. a good thing. Yeah, well, probably one's a good thing in one, in, one, in one instance. Yeah, but, yeah, so, yeah, that's how it all come about, you know. And, uh, yeah, I think the stewards were trying to contact me or something or there one time, and uh, I don't know whether I was in range somewhere. I must have went to um, somewhere. Anyway, I can't remember that, that far back now. But That's all right. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but there was a real good, Beach at Venus Bay there, I guess, pull up, pull up there with me float and, and all that sort of thing, yeah. No, it, was, then, uh, but it really worked out good. How, how did you work him? Because you've got no, you can't, you don't have measurements of 400 metres to work him up. You just worked him by feel. Um, well, I like to work him by feel, but I do measure the beach. Yeah, okay. Because I, yeah, yeah, I had uh, Starfire wheels on me work gig, and what I'd done... Yeah. I had a, uh, up here I had a, a baler, like a hay baler. Yeah. And, and on hay balers, there's a little, there's a little counter and it's like a little yeah. lever. Yeah, yeah. So every time a bale drops out, it goes flick, 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 and it counts your bale, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, I, so what I've done, I took that off, the baler, and I put it, I, I, I attached it to, to the, the gig. Yeah, and what I done, and, we, and with the with the starfire wheels, they're like a plastic, uh, they're like a, a, a plastic um, heavy spokes. They're big heavy spokes, like a plastic one. Uh, they're like they're, they're not plastic, but they're they're a they're a composite of some some kind, you know. Like yeah, 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 yeah. Graphite and that sort of stuff. So what I done, I got a piece of conveyor belt rubber, and about an inch, about two inches long, and I bolted that to it. And then every time that wheel turned, it hit the bale counter, went click, click. Yeah. And then I, I measured the wheel, uh, uh, the circumference of the wheel, to give me, I think it was 2.2 uh, two metres. Whatever maybe, it was. Yeah, meters, yeah. Whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I added all that up, and I could get 
like a half mile, a mile, a mile and a half. Yeah. So that's how I used to count, count, I used to just go down and, and and when there was a certain I can't even remember the number now, when I got a certain thing, that was the mile and a half, you know. Unbelievable. So, so, yeah, I just imp, 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 I just uh, designed it or improvised or you know, with a with a bail counter and a bit of a bit of uh, um, uh, convey belt rubber stuck on valves onto the wheel. A bit of dapto, uh, young boy ingenuity coming out in you there, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, 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 maybe I should have been the bloody inventor or something. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, yeah. no, no. We wouldn't be having this chat and like no. you don't, you don't understand. But when Westburn Grant won this race, he was eleven. I was, I was eleven years of age. I was there on the night. You know, my my favourite footballer was Tony McGuinness, and people like my three of my heroes were Tony McGuinness, my favourite football for the Bulldogs. Teddy Demler yep. and Vic Frost. We wouldn't be. Uh, yeah. You you, you yeah. got to understand. You, you didn't want to be an inventor. You want to be a harness racing trainer. And on that night, seventh of March, nineteen ninety-two, you drew gate six, and I would say you were the forgotten horse in a sense because you hadn't won any heats. And I don't know whether because you were down at Venus Bay and no one could get hold of you, they sort of forgot about you. You rolled to the front. You led. You were never going to get beaten, Vic. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right on that because, like, there was no publicity because they couldn't bloody get me. There was no bloody mobile yeah, range. Yeah, yeah. But, and, and, and the other thing is, like, he, he, he wasn't that impressive in the heats neither. So I, 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 I understand why they were looking at a lot of other horses, you know. So and when I was drawn out where I was, they probably said, oh, shit, he ain't got much bloody chance from here. But you did. You just you just sort of rolled to the front, and it was all over. They yeah. never got near you, mate. Yeah, I just said, oh, "Okay, okay, spot. Let's bloody do it, mate." Just open him up and got to the bloody top, mate. And then that's where we stayed. Yeah, Franco Tiger for Brian Gath second, and Blossom Lady Defoe, Christopher Vance, level advice. Impressionist was under an injury cloud. A master musician, Thorate Mark, and over Lord Muckley in the quit into Dominion of nineteen ninety two and. Mightn't have been his most special victory because, as we heard with some others, were very special, but it certainly was his crowning glory, wasn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. And when you mentioned those horses, yeah. like, they're, they're, they're royalty, all of them, aren't yeah. they? Like, yeah. you know, all, the whole field, like, you'd, you'd love to own any one of them. 100%. He, only race for another twelve months. You had another. You had a crack at a, at the Queensland into Dominion, but they did you a set of barrier draws again. Ten, six, nine in the heats and eleven in the final. He he, he made the final. He won a heat, but it was always going to be hard from the second row in a final. And that was his last career start, Vic. Yeah, it was. Like you know, we just pulled the pin. Then we said, well, you know, he's he's done a fantastic job. Um, we're we're, just, we're not going to keep running him like we win the. From where he was, he's, he's probably he can probably beat most of those horses. Uh, well, back in his day, he would have beaten them all, but now he just can't because he was probably getting a little bit sore in the joints and on feet and all that. He always had bad feet. That's yeah. why he used to train him on the beach. But but then then his joints started. He like at the speed he used to travel. It's no bloody wonder his joints started to get a bit bloody worn out too. Yeah, yeah, you should take heed of that. Now, yeah, yeah. 
since since then he went he went to stud, which you touched on earlier. Two hundred and eighty foals, one hundred and forty two starters. So every second foal he had made the races. Uh, Ninety five winners. So every third foal he had won a race. There's still horses and descendants that race uh, back that trace back to him. You've even got them yourself. You're still training horses. You got horses racing. Uh, one at Redcliffe Wednesday night. Uh, one at uh, Albion Park Saturday night, mate. But probably yep. more special over since, since 1992, and it was only a couple of years ago. He was on the farm. Uh, it sounds like he was almost like a Labrador. Oh, absolutely, mate. He, he well, he, um, he he had free range. You know, we never, yeah. we never used to lock him up. He'd yeah. walk around and uh, being a stallion, that you think, oh God, you can't. You got to lock him up. But uh, he didn't want to be locked up. He just wanted to walk around. He picks here and picks there. And he used to go around, and he'd be he 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 nearly talk to every horse you got. He'll go around. And he'll the young fillies like they won't squeal at him. He doesn't squeal. He doesn't, he's poked along. He's just a good influence to them as well, and the, the cult as well as well as the fillies. And he he used to just free range. He said, "Well, just walk around the place. Wouldn't go out. He just just content with his life here." And I I had uh, two or three uh, automatic drinkers around the place where he could just walk yeah. up and have a drink when you yeah. when he liked and yeah he he was just boss you know he and he never never squirrels at the young horses or anything like that he, he was just a a good influence on on the younger horses you know you know Vic he finished his career as the second highest stakes winning horse of all time did you know oh, he, did he yeah it was only behind he was only behind village kid. But today he still sits twentieth of all time in paces in Australasia. Twentieth. There's only been eighteen oh. horses pass him. That's pretty staggering, wow. isn't it? Jeez, also I didn't even know those figures. Yeah, yeah, well, that's that's amazing, really, isn't it? With all the yeah, with all the horses and the bigger money now, you know, the big money, you know. Yeah. We have to finish it there. We've run out of time, Vic. Great Trots Live show. Catch you all tomorrow for the Thursday show. You'll be able to get the full chat on the podcast.